If you would take your Bibles to John 19, we're coming to today probably the most important, one of the most important passages in the Bible, and I know preachers say that a lot um, about how important a passage is, and depending on the topic, uh, that would be the reality, that would be the truth for that particular topic, but for Christianity as a whole, when we come to John chapter 19 and chapter 20, I believe we come to um, one of the most important passages in, in Scripture as we now come to the topic of the resurrection. Josh McDowell wrote in his book, The Evidence That Demands a Verdict, he said, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever fostered upon the minds of men or... It is the most fantastic fact in history. Adrian Rogers, in one of his sermons, said, The resurrection is not merely important to the historic Christian faith. Without it, there would be no Christianity. It is the singular doctrine that elevates Christianity above all other world religions. I know the resurrection is something that we emphasize. We make a big deal about it one time a year at, at Easter, but for many, that time is overshadowed with ham and egg hunts and rabbits and candy and ham and cute little outfits and more ham. And, and I'm for all of those things, but unfortunately, the resurrection takes a back seat to the actual holiday that has been created. The truth is, we as believers in Jesus Christ celebrate the resurrection each and every Sunday. A guy named Jared Wilson wrote, if the resurrection isn't true, we should all go home. Religion makes a lame hobby. And that is true. Every Sunday as we gather together, as we worship with the congregation that the Lord has brought together here in this local church and many just like it around the world, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ be not risen, then your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. He tells us in that same chapter, in verses 3 and 4, the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This morning, from John chapter 19 and chapter 20, I have three points. And when I um, told David my scripture passage for this morning, from John 19:31 to John 20:31, there was a gasp, I think, a shock in his face um, for that. But we're not going to get to all three of those points. But today and over the next few times that we meet together on this passage of scripture, I want us to consider the reality of the resurrection the reality of the resurrection and the implications for those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ. And so today we'll look at the point that Jesus actually died. Jesus actually died and was buried. And then when we come back together, we'll look at the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead and then that Jesus was actually seen um, by many. And so today we'll look at point one in John 19, 31 through 42, Jesus actually died and was buried. If you'll look with me there, verse, verse number 31 in John 19. 
The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross of the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And so we see here that the Sabbath was, was coming. Now, I am a, a traditionalist. If there's a topic, if there's debate about a certain subject or a certain issue, I'm always going to take the side of tradition unless you can prove it uh, differently. And there is a debate today whether Jesus died on Wednesday or died on Thursday or died on Friday, and maybe you've never heard that, and, and uh, maybe that's new information to you, and that's okay. Just know that Jesus died on Friday. Um, I am a, I am a, a, a traditionalist, but I believe this passage kind of gives us that, that leaning. The Bible tells us that Jesus is there on the cross, and it is the day of preparation, and literally they're moving into the Sabbath day. And so the religious leaders who were not afraid to, to kill um, somebody that was not guilty, to kill an innocent man, these religious leaders who were willing to kill Jesus and take his life, they had to make sure they were keeping the Sabbath holy and keep their religious system. And so they did not want the body of Jesus and these other two criminals to be hanging on the cross when the Sabbath actually happened. And so therefore, I lean to Friday is the actual day that Jesus died on the cross and all the other arguments uh, and all that stuff. It's not that big of a deal, but I just thought I would throw that out there. Um, but the Romans would leave people on the cross until they died. And this literally could, could take days. And they would even leave them up there after they died uh, so that the animals, the birds and things could feed uh, on the corpse. And so being... Uh, Friday, the Jews and their religion did not want these bodies to hang on the Sabbath. It's not just any Sabbath, though. Remember, this is the Passover week, and so this is the Sabbath of the Passover week, and so this is a high day, a highly holy day, a special day in the lives of these Jewish uh, people at that time. Look back with me. They, they besought Pilate there in verse 31, and then came the soldiers and break the legs. So Pilate gave in to them. Pilate, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers which uh, with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record. And his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scriptures might, should be fulfilled. A bone on him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, and being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. And he came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Father, we thank you for the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and the salvation that it brought to mankind. Lord, we thank you for the fact that he was buried, but Lord...
pray. Amen. As we see here, Jesus, Jesus is on the cross dying, and as he's getting ready to, to die, they wanted him killed quickly because they wanted him removed. And so they beseech Pilate to let somebody go and, and break his legs. The criminals would hang there for hours and, and they would struggle to, to breathe because of the weight of their body and the way it would put pressure on their diaphragm. And so what would happen is they would, they would every so often push up on their legs to give freedom and room to, to breathe. And so in order to keep them from being able to push up because of the pain of their broken legs, they, they ask him to go and break the legs so the, the, the process would, would, would hurry up and, and be done because we want them done and, and gone before our Sabbath day. And so they come, and the Bible tells us they broke the legs of the two, of the two thieves besides Jesus, beside Jesus, but but Jesus, the Bible tells us, was, was already dead. And so one of the soldiers pierced his side instead. And the Bible tells us that blood and water came out of his side. And there's a lot of medical uh, things that go on about this passage. And I don't know all that, that entails there. But it's unclear why this soldier who came pierced his side. Maybe it was to, to make sure that Jesus was actually dead and to see if they would get a rise out of, uh, 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 or a shout out of the pain from the piercing. Or maybe he just wanted to be extra brutal to the body of, of Jesus. But John's emphasis here is the fact that Jesus actually died. You see, you cannot have a physical resurrection without a physical death. And in verse 35, John tells us he was there, that bear, he was the one that was there, and he bare record, and, and he tells us in John chapter 20, verse 31, I'm writing these things so that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God, that you might know that he died on the cross, that you might believe that he died, and that he rose again, and believing have eternal life. And so John is emphasizing the fact here that Jesus actually died he died in fulfillment of scripture. The Bible tells us here that, um, that his legs were not broken. And Jesus in the Bible is a picture of, of the Lamb of God. And a lamb that was going to be sacrificed for the, the Passover could, had to be a lamb without blemish. It could not be a lamb that was born with a defect, nor could it have a defect later. You could have a, a lamb that was spotless when it was born, but if it fell and broke its leg, it was no longer useful for, for the sacrifice. And so you go back to Exodus chapter 12 and you see this, this prophecy. Another prophecy that we see fulfilled here is that they will look on him whom they pierced. And this is a fulfillment uh, concerning the Messiah found in Zechariah chapter 12 and, and verse 10. The ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy will be at the second coming when Jesus returns back to this earth. But if they would have broken his legs, they would not have had to pierce his, his side. And every prophecy concerning the Messiah has been fulfilled in Jesus. And so the point here that John is trying to get across before he comes to the resurrection is he wants his reader to understand and all those that come after him is that Jesus actually died. There are those that say that Jesus kind of went into a coma and Jesus uh, was just resuscitated and not, not truly resurrected. And there were those that tried to, to say, give all these different theories, but John keeps coming back to the fact that I want you to understand that Jesus actually died on the cross of Calvary. To make another point, he tells us not only did he actually die, but he, 
he was, he was buried. He was taken uh, from the, the cross, from that tree, and, and he was actually placed in a, in a sepulcher or a tomb and, and, was, and was buried. If you were to say about somebody, you know, so-and-so was buried on Saturday, what is the expectation? If you said that to, if you know, if I said that to you and I said, hey, yeah, so-and-so was buried on Saturday, you're, you're, surely you would not then ask me, uh, well, did he die? Did he die? No, we were just tired of him talking, and so we got, we just going to take care of it right there. When, when, when somebody is buried, then the obviously assumption or understanding is they were buried because, because they died. And so John wants to emphasize the fact that Jesus on that cross died and gave up the ghost, and then he was taken down from that tomb and buried I want you to recognize the men that came and took Jesus. Joseph and Nicodemus both came to Jesus secretly. Nicodemus, the Bible says, came to him by night. And here in this passage, um, Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate secretly because he was afraid uh, of the repercussions there. They were both members of the Sanhedrin. And no doubt, they were probably part of the crowd there that that sought uh, to crucify Christ. But I would assume that they uh, were not there shouting with him, but because uh, they were part of this crowd. They were there watching everything that went on. But now they're going to, to step out. And they're going to step out and come out publicly uh, for, for their faith. We're not told in the scripture if there were any consequences for their actions here at this. But many speculate that there would have been ostracizing from the Sanhedrin, maybe persecution from the Jews because of their obvious favor towards this Galilean, towards towards Jesus, and we see the, the, the burial. They, they sought permission to, to take the body, and it was normal in, in pagan cultures to, to burn the corpses of criminals that were killed by, by the crucifixion. History tells us that just outside of Jerusalem, there would be a, 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 a heap of trash, a rubbish, a place that would just constantly burn where they would take their trash. And it was there to this place that they would take the bodies of those that were crucified, those that were criminals that were killed because of their crimes. And the assumption is, is that those that were there beside Jesus wound up going to some place like this burning heap. But these men that loved Jesus did not want to see that happen. And so they come and they seek to take, they, they come to seek to take the body of Jesus. They would do this work quickly because the Sabbath was coming and they wanted to get this, to get this taken care of. And so Joseph goes and, and goes to Pilate. Nicodemus goes and gets the resources they need to do the, the, the wrapping and the burial uh, procedures. And, and they would take the body down and they would wrap the body in the linens and they would use the, the spices as was customary for the Jews. And again, we see all of this happening because Jesus actually, Jesus actually died and was placed and buried in that tomb. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us that Jesus died according to the scriptures. He actually died for our sin. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 
Galatians chapter 1, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And probably one of the greatest passages on the death of Christ for our sins, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The reality of the resurrection starts with the reality of his, his death. And what I want you to understand and what I believe John wants all of us to understand through the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in his life to write this portion of scripture is that Jesus actually died on that cross. But why did he die? What is the implication? He died for our sin. You think about that for just a moment. It is our sin that has separated us from God. It is our sin that puts us at enmity with God. It, it is our sin that, se that sends us, uh, gives us the sentence of, of dest being destined to hell and the lake of fire for all of eternity. It is our sin that has destroyed this world. But Christ died to pay the wrath pay for the wrath of God, to pay for our sin, to reconcile us back to God. He gave his life to be a ransom, to reconcile us back to God. And as we think about that, I want you to understand that Christ died for you and for your sin. A lot of times we generalize that reality. Christ died for the sins of the world. But my friend, what I want you to know is Christ died for the sins of Daniel Stevens. And Christ died for, for your sin to reconcile you back to God. Christ died to reconcile this world back to God. And one day that's going to come to fruition when he steps back onto this earth. And we enter into eternity. There's a new heavens and new Jerusalem and all that takes place there. And Christ is ultimately going to reconcile everything back to God. But what I want you to understand is he died to reconcile you. And we'll see in a couple weeks that he was buried and that he rose again to bring life and to bring victory, to bring a relationship with God and to make us a part of God's family. See, that's the reality of the resurrection, but it starts with the reality of his death. And don't miss it. And don't minimize it. And don't just put it as another thought in your mind on the back burner. Christ died for your sin. We know that when Christ went to the cross and rose again, it literally changed the world. Everything about our, our world is based off of the fact that Christ went to the cross from our calendar to most of our holidays to everything. It impacts everything in our world. Has it made an impact in your life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ 
the one that died for your sins, 